Hello everyone and welcome to the Walrath Feed. This is the show that brings you everything related to the commercial food service industry. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Walrath Company. And with me once again, as always, is my co-host and producer, Justin Pearson. Hello, Justin. Hey, Rich. What's up? How are things? Today, things are good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I can't complain. Been a good week so far. Excellent. Well, today I think we're going to have another great show. Uh, We'll be bringing back one of our guests from a previous show uh, who we have a really good relationship with, Angus Ann. Yeah. Angus, uh, just to remind everyone who's listening, is a classically trained chef who loves our induction ranges, and we've done a lot of things with him, a great relationship over a number of years. And he's a really great chef and just a super guy to work with. Uh, last time he was on the show, we covered his career in restaurants and uh, his approach to food and culinary. And, you know, he does such a great job in that, which is why one of the main reasons his flagship restaurant, Maynam, in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, has won many, many awards. Just if you look at his webpage, and there are several of them there, including being the first ever ethnic restaurant to win Restaurant of the Year in Vancouver. And um, he's opened several other, con- other concepts and um, operations. So we're still, you know, looking to talk to him, I think, today about some of the things he's done and understanding how he goes about looking at these new concepts. How does he decide on the, when it's right or the, the space? And what are all the considerations he puts into when he looks at opening a new concept? So I think that's going to be our angle with him today. You know, we've covered all his culinary all the things he does culinary wise with his with his restaurants but how does he go about that that decision and hopefully we'll get some insight into that with him uh here today yeah i mean it's a daunting task on its own to develop and open a restaurant now more than ever during covid times it's it's a question that do you even dare ask anymore but we've got to keep moving forward we got to keep progressing we've got to adapt so that we can survive and, and move on and progress. Right. You know, his insight will be invaluable. And you know, I, I really am inspired by by his work ethic and his creativity. So it's, oh, it's going to be yeah. great to hear from him. He's a, he's a great chef. I, I, I said it in the last show we did. We were at an equipment show, and we had people coming to our booth because they heard the guy demoing had great food and it was Angus, right? The word got out about his quality of his food. So we had oh, people yeah. coming into our booth at an equipment show where they don't expect food to be served. I mean, the restaurant shows are different, but mm-hmm. equipment shows, usually there's not a lot there, but we had people coming to us and they were, the word was out, Angus was cooking in our booth. So anyway, that's, again, that's the other side that we've talked to him about, but I'm looking at his insight on what he looks at because it's always gonna be a roll of the dice. But what are the things you can go through and check off that you minimize the risk with that roll of the dice? Right, right. right. It's so, it's all about that that prep work, that pre-production, mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. getting everything in line that you can. And of course, yeah, there's always you got to leave it up to fate a little bit, and you never really know something could go south on you. But you do everything you possibly can up front to ensure your success in the long run, and. He's done that multiple times, so he has a formula that works and that a lot of other people can take into consideration when they are looking at opening their own operation or expanding theirs. Right. Just you know, like, where does he start? Does he just think of a concept like, oh, I think I should do this, or does he have some process he goes through as to what he wants to do and where he wants to do it? And, and what is COVID doing to that? We can't ignore COVID. No. I was in the camp, I'll admit, that thought this was going to pass relatively quickly. But I believe it now, like others have said, this is going to be here for a few years. This is going to be a way of life in many ways for us going forward. So how is what's happening now going to affect the future of the restaurant industry? We'll get the disease under control and we'll be able to get back to life with a sense of normalcy there, but the standards and practices, that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. That's that's not going away. You know, no. the precautions that, that we're taking and that we need to take because this has happened in the past. It's happening now. It'll happen again. Something new will come along. Yeah. So everybody is just making these global shifts to a safer public environment. 
Yeah, I, I know already, you know, we walk around with a mask on and you know very quickly when you're in a spot that you should be wearing a mask and you've forgotten yours. So we're, we've already got that in us, <laughs> this whole COVID thing. And yeah, Don't you hate that? Like early on when you're like going somewhere and you're like, oh man, I forgot my mask. And then, yeah, you know, I've seen other people do that where, you, where you're in the store and they're like, oh crap, I forgot my mask. And then they're pulling pulling their shirt up over their face, you know, oh. they're, they're trying to do what they can, you know. <laughs> I have to tell you this, this is the best. And only in Wisconsin will this happen. So we were out at a restaurant and uh, we were in the restaurant and it, it's a requirement in Wisconsin that you have a mask on anytime you're in a public place. And in a restaurant, you can take it off when you're at the table actively eating or drinking. So we, at our table, we were watching some people come in a group of like seven or something and one person didn't have a mask, so they took their empty old-fashioned glass and kind of put it up in front of their mouth as that was their mask. <laughs> we thought only in Wisconsin is someone going to use their empty old-fashioned glass as a mask, but I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I give it an A plus for creativity. I don't know yeah. how effective that is, and maybe maybe that's a secret there. You know, maybe yeah. maybe he's onto something. You know, just uh, we we all had a good chuckle. Old fashions over it. are the cure. <laughs> we just wish we had a camera, at a little easier access, and could have caught it. But so anyway, you know, and and getting back now to the show and Angus, I guess. But I, what I really hope that we can get to is if we've got people listening, and be it a restaurateur or someone thinking about getting into the business. When is when do you put enough things in in order or in your mind together that you think okay I'm ready this yeah. I think we got enough boxes checked let's let's pull the trigger and go here you know so yeah. that would be a big thing if we can because he's done it mm-hmm. he's done it several times he's got a his freebird chicken he had his fat mountain noodles he's got um, oh gastropod I think was his first place of course Maniam now you know he's he's had to make that decision several times so he's I would think getting better at understanding when he's ready to make those yeah. make those decisions. So Rich, what about your dad when he decided that this is where I'm taking the family. We're we're going into owner operator <laughs> status. How did he get to that decision cool. and when did he decide it was right? Man, I'll tell you that's a that's a long story, but if I could condense it a bit, he fell solidly into the camp of no idea <laughs> what was coming. Yeah. I mean, he worked in restaurants all his life and he always wanted one, which I think is somewhat natural. But when you start talking to a bank and, and you end up putting that deal together, that's really when things start hitting you pretty hard. And you just, he'll tell you, he had no idea. My mom, she was a housewife. She worked part-time doing some things, but now suddenly she's 35 years old in the restaurant business. So they are those people, when I say you bite down hard to make it work, that's what they did. My dad worked yeah. days and days and days in a row without vacation days. My mom, the same thing. Um, our kitchen table, excuse me, our dining room table in our home had piles and piles of invoices. Every supplier had their own pile. I mean, her early days, she never was a bookkeeper. Yeah. Suddenly she's running the books for a restaurant. So, But my dad opened a second restaurant with a partner. And the other one partner was his first time. But my dad had learned enough about the mm-hmm. business and he had some things and that went much, much smoother. Yeah. And he had things that he knew had to be done and he had confidence in understanding how things were going to happen once the doors opened. So there's that kind of stuff that came from that second opening. So mm-hmm. as again, we keep talking, I think as they, you do more and more of this, it gets you get to see some things coming before they actually hit you. Well, like your dad did and like a lot of other people do, you open and you stay open with grit and determination. And there is a better way to do that. You know, there's a lot lot of other things that you can you can do because you don't want to sacrifice your your sanity and, and your family time and, oh. and and that's that's where Angus has, has uh, formulated a balance where he can do the things he loves professionally, but mm-hmm. then still be there as as a family man to fulfill the needs there so it's right and that's that's critical if you want to do it for any length of time you know you've yeah, got think, to you got to have that balance i think when he opened Maynon, excuse me when he opened gastropub he was 26 mm-hmm. you know and at 26 your body's strong you got a lot of determination you can make it work and i don't know how old he is now but i, I know that's a few years back and um again i, I bet he's learned a lot along the way so that, i think today's just going to be a good day trying to understand some of that learning from him and what he's got to say so yeah all right justin i think you and i have 
talked enough here. I think we've we've kind of got our show laid out, and I think it's time to bring our guest on. I know we have a lot of things we'd like to ask him today. So, Angus, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, always a pleasure. How how are things uh, in your neck of the woods these days? Everything going all right yet? Yeah, you know things are good. Uh, you know Vancouver and uh, in uh, British Columbia, we've been doing a pretty decent job in terms of uh, keeping the numbers low and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, it seems to me like you know there's been a bit of a, a fall slash winter surge, like it's happening in most places. And hopefully, we can keep it together to avoid another shutdown. Yeah, right. That's keep doing everything we can to keep our businesses going. It's just a tough time for us right now, but we do mm-hmm. our best and keep going, right? That's right. So as we talked about earlier in the show, we, we think, um, you know, with all the restaurants, how many restaurants have you actually opened now? You've got quite a few. Uh, we've got back six. Yeah. Six. And that goes back to when you were 26 years old, you started doing this, right? Yeah, kind of on my tail end, tail, tail end of my 26th year, we opened uh, the first restaurant, uh, Gastropod. Uh, mm-hmm. That morphed into that morphed into Mainom during the recession of uh, 08, 09. Uh, and then uh, and then slowly we've been growing from then on. After the first failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it that happens. I mean, you learn along the way on all of it, right? And through your several seven, you said openings you've done. Uh, well, I've done seven openings, and now right now we have six restaurants. Uh, I mean, only because one of them we retracted into takeout only into Mainom, so. Uh, it's Freebird. We're doing it as a ghost kitchen out of Mainon. So it's sort of six restaurants now. Well, get me up to date then on that. I, I tell me what, what you've got going on. I must've missed some then. Yeah. So Freebird, we, uh, we opened, uh, in a new location last year, but, the the space that we were in, the landlord didn't want to, uh, continue on with the space in terms of, so the landlord is actually subleasing from another landlord. Uh, so basically what he told us was that we had until January uh, to find a new location. And this is during the shutdown. So I didn't want to reopen during a pandemic and then having to move in like four months. So I just decided to move it all back, pull all the equipment out, move it all back. And then in the meantime, not look for a space because it's, uh, it's a pandemic. We decided to just do a, uh, a ghost kitchen concept out of Mainom in our prep kitchen. So, you know, we have all the equipment here. We have the staff here. We might as well share the overhead. Um, and then um, do basically a takeout and delivery only concept for the chicken. And then the concept itself uh, lends itself really well to to that model. So, you know, it's just lunch and dinner and takeout and uh, delivery. So we've been basically doing that instead of having to, to reopen and then move, uh, you know, during this whole process, it's just not worth it for us. What did that transition look like? How, what was your downtime? I mean, that seems like it would be a bit of a operation to get that to fully functioning again or was it pretty quick uh it was quick and not not quick at the same time i think you know we we closed all the restaurant down in in the same time uh when kind of the provincial mandate to close we actually we actually announced the closure before the mandate so we were actually ahead of the the curve i figured we were uh we were doing the right thing before we were forced to shut down so we closed all the restaurants but we didn't reopen all of them at the same time. So, you know, Mainom opened after two days as a takeout restaurant, but none of the other restaurants uh, opened after. And we waited until um, we had enough staff that felt comfortable in working. And slowly, one by one, we reopened each restaurant. So there wasn't the reopening process. It wasn't like we closed everything and reopened everything at the same time. It was like we closed one, uh, we closed all of them and then re- slowly reopened one by one. And then it's always reopened for takeout first. Mm. And then eventually, one by one, we opened, and then eventually the uh, mandate was lifted that we can have limited seats um, for dine-in. We didn't jump at that right away. We waited it out. We just wanted to make sure that, um, um, you know, we didn't, we felt like just because we were allowed to open doesn't mean we should open. So we waited another couple of weeks to make sure, to see how other people are doing it, because there was a lot of restrictions. So we want to make sure uh those restrictions work so we kind of waited another couple of weeks after we were allowed to open to kind of reopen dine-in uh and then eventually freebird was our last kind of hurdle so eventually after all the restaurants are up and running and smooth we decided to continue on and um, bring freebird back into main on to to do the takeout and delivery concept so it wasn't all happening at once so that would have been really stressful (laughs) yeah 
Right. Six restaurants. And um, so when you look back at um, your your progression from your Maynam to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, where did you get the inspiration or what drove you to, to, to do that next restaurant? Was it a void that you saw? Was it just something you, you wanted to try different or how'd you get the inspiration or what drove you to that, to that next place and then the next one and, and so on? And well, I think sometimes, you know, I think at the time of doing like long tail and fat now and, you know, even Freebird too, I was very totally uh, motivated by uh, the casual sector in our industry. And I always say dining's like a pyramid. Fine dining's a very kind of top of the pyramid. And Mainom is kind of the second tier. We do fine, fine food, but it's very casual. You can, you can, the ideal is you want people to be able to visit it uh, once a week, not a special occasion restaurant. Uh, and then, you know, a, a couple of tiers after that is even more casual. It's kind of, uh, you know, some of our new restaurants are even counter service. So, you know, I was also motivated by, you know, the Asian culture where, you know, if you're good at something, that's all you sell and that's all you need to do. You don't need to have a huge menu. It's a small, small place, small overhead, uh, small team, uh, easy for us to manage. Uh, well, at least I thought at the time it was easier for us to manage. But when you have a few of them, it's it, it becomes kind of a bit of a headache too. But that being said, I think at the time I was very motivated by by identifying that there was a need in, in our market for for more uh, refined, casual food. And I think it's also kind of a lot of the the sector that say Fat Mao is in is, is dominated by chains or you know casual food in, in general is very dominated by chains. So we wanted it to be doing kind of street food that's that's casual. Uh, we wanted something that people can eat every day. Uh, those, those those are things that are motivating factors at that time. What did your market research look like when you had to identify that need? So what what did you guys go out and do to to really? find out if you had a place yeah it was more just location research uh, i think when it comes down to it you know we we felt like there's a need for what we were doing you know the first one was long tail and you know it, it's long tail it's based in new westminster which is a suburb of vancouver it's about 35 minutes drive uh it's an up-and-coming neighborhood you know at that time people were calling kind of like the brooklyn of, of vancouver because there's a lot of younger people that are pricing themselves out of vancouver uh, they're buying homes and start you know uh, New West at the time is one of the fastest growing cities in, in, in our province. And, uh, you know, it had a it had a huge need for better food. And so when I went out there, uh, first I went out there to visit in 2010, I didn't feel like it was ready. And eventually, uh, 2011 and tail end of 2011, when I went to visit again, I feel like, yeah, you know what, like, let's try to make something work here. Um, we felt like having a place in the suburbs, uh, Geographically, New West is in a in the very middle of kind of our our lower mainland, so you know it's, it's very accessible to from all areas. So we felt like that was a good spot to kind of expand into uh, into the suburbs, and and we did that. And then when we moved on to opening Fat Mal, it was like we 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 were searching for a location that would make this concept work, which is kind of a noodle house, and we eventually uh, settled on uh, Chinatown in Vancouver. So there was a resurgence of kind of, uh, gentrifying locations in Chinatown. Chinatown went through, you know, has it one of the richest histories in North America, you know, Vancouver, Chinatown, San Francisco, Chinatown. Uh, but lately it's been coming, uh, it's becoming very different and a lot of people are moving out. So we've been trying to do some, some business that will resemble some heritage of Chinatown. So, you know, a, uh, you know, we, we calling a Thai Chinese noodle house, right? So, you know, we have to, we found a location uh, that was suitable for that. So that's that's usually kind of how things work uh, in terms of market research. You know, I, I feel like I, I wouldn't necessarily go around and eat a lot of restaurants that I think we're uh, competing with, but it's more so like I would try to feel like what I, what I want to do, how mm -hmm. I want to do it, and then I'll mm -hmm. find a location that would work. Uh, and obviously it doesn't always work, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, when you said the area when you visited back in 2010 wasn't quite ready, was that the amount of people there or just the specific demographics of those people? What what were some of the factors that led you to that decision that wasn't quite there? Well, I think at the time I saw the the amount of construction of the you know new condos that were going on, but you know it okay. hasn't it hasn't been completed yet. There was only a small handful of people that are moving in, uh, and you know we were in a pretty pretty new market at the time too. You know the river market. 
uh, went through a huge renovation, um, you know, wanted to model itself after kind of the ferry terminal building and all of that. And I just felt like there was not enough traffic for us to go there yet. Gotcha. Uh, but then, you know, in, in a short time of, of one year, I, I, I saw the growth, uh, even though I, I knew that uh, going in there, we'd be going in there early. Mm-hmm. But I think it's always better to go in a, a, a spot before the prime comes and you'd be there, you'd be ready for the prime and the peak. And that's right. happened. So we went in there in 2012 and the first year or so it was a little bit slower. But eventually, you know, us predicted like, you know, every year got better and better. And like within three years where we were hitting its stride. Right. So that's kind of what happened. And I think after us, uh, there was a lot of people that were opening restaurants in that city and in that na- neighborhood. So that's definitely okay. it's it's a good sign to know that you hit something before it hits its strides because yeah. then you can actually benefit from it. Whereas if you know if you see something that's booming and you go in there a couple years later when you're finally ready, someone else is booming, right? So yeah, yeah. But that takes a that takes a lot of confidence in your research and your decision of what you you're doing, the building, the the menu. To, to be able to go in and say, I know it's going to be slow to start and live through that versus worrying about, are we doing the right things? Are you questioning uh, your lower numbers because you're not doing something right? Or are you just confident those lower numbers are because that area is still developing? That That's a, that's a big deal to be able to have that kind of confidence. Well, I mean, I think, again, it goes back to why I was interested in having smaller locations, right? So, yes, I know that it will be slower, but, you know, having a small 700 square feet restaurant that's not doing as well is not as stressful as having a 7,000 square feet restaurant that's, that's serving advice, 300 right? guests. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know our overhead is controlled. Uh, so even losing money, is, it's, it's manageable to a certain extent. And the cost of starting up something that small is, is controllable, too. And I think we spoke about that before. Whereas, you know, it costs millions to outfit a restaurant that's 3,000 square feet. It co- you know, it costs, sometimes I've opened, my, my record, obviously, it's opening a restaurant for like 50 grand. And, and it's, that's kind of knowing what to do myself and obviously having uh, good connections and different things like that. Like it's, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, that's my biggest advice to people. is like, you know, you want to have the control. Uh, yes, everybody wants to have a beautiful restaurant. You know, they want to have that investment, but it's very difficult to get those money back. Uh, a good mm, restaurant, yep. a good restaurant takes three years to to pay back the initial investment. You know, some restaurants never do, right? So, it's a very difficult to. That's that that's part of the charm about having a smaller business is that your investment is very controlled, and your losses are controlled. And then you know, yes, your ceiling can never be as high as a big place, but your 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 bottom is not as low. So you know, it's 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 kind of safe measures, right? So it's not mm-hmm. as bad. And I think right, that's also why I feel more comfortable now during this kind of pandemic that we're not as stressed out as some bigger restaurants that you know their their typical numbers are oh we do 500 covers and you know we do thirty thousand dollars a night in sales well yeah i don't do that but you know i also don't lose that kind of money so um it mm-hmm. depends on depends on how you know that, that's obviously one one way uh, of looking at those type of investments at that time right a smaller restaurant a little more nimble uh, as you said the the losses aren't going to be as great you don't have that much overhead to cover so you can be a little bit more flexible on all that have you ever changed have you ever realized that oh, boy what i did here was wrong did you ever cha- pull the pin and change concepts in the middle of something or did that did you have to do well, that well we we changed concepts um Obviously, a gastropod, we changed it into Mainom because the recession and gastropod was a, you know, white linen, fine dining restaurant. And we changed it into a ethnic cuisine, Thai food. And that's very considered very casual at the time. Uh, we also changed the concept at Fat Mao, believe it or not. Like when we first opened, Fat Mao was a Chinese noodle house. Uh, and, and right away, because obviously Vancouver is very populated with, with, with a rich history in Chinese uh, culture and cuisine. And right away, people were complaining like, oh, you know. Why would I want to pay twelve dollars for this beef noodle and I can pay eight dollars for for that one, you know? But they they say yeah it's better, but is it that four dollars better? So it's it's so you know eventually after about a year of listening to that, I decided to just pull the not pull the plug, but we decided to kind of re. It wasn't even a rebrand. It was more just like we're gonna focus on only Thai Chinese dishes. So it was a little, little bit more Thai flavors, and 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 then the the, the comparison stopped because. In in our market, Thai food wise, we're kind of we're kind of uh, there's not a lot of comparables, so so we kind of have to tweak that a little bit. And I think you know you're always wanting to tweak the concepts here and there, right? So it's not uh, 
you wanna you wanna do things that uh, people want to buy. You don't want to. You, you, sometimes you can get stubborn and and not um, not listen to your customers. You know, you, I think at the end of the day, you have to you have to serve people what they want to eat, and that's 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 the number one rule. So, so you just kind of killed off that conversation just by switching it up a little bit and focusing on something different. And then you didn't have to hear like, well, why would I buy these noodles anymore? And yeah, because probably, they can't get, yeah. Yeah, you, you pro- and then you probably didn't have to uh, adjust your prices or anything like that because there wasn't anything else comparable to, to what you were doing. You're like, well, if you want what we have, you're going to come and get it here. Well, it's always happens like this. And I think when, when, one lesson I learned is that, you know, when you open a new restaurant, you always try to please everybody. Well, that's yeah. like you want to try to please everybody. But the lesson is that when you try to please everybody, you please nobody. Yep. Because mm-hmm. what we did was the price wasn't high enough. The price wasn't high enough to consider kind of refined because it's very cash. It was $12. But it's not low enough to gravitate to those people that are used to spending $8. So what we did is we actually raised the prices. Now, we never hear any complaints about the price anymore. <laughs> we actually raised the price by a few bucks. And, you know, I think eventually the people that are used to spending $8, they're never going to come here. But mm-hmm. the people that are coming here because they recognize the quality. Um, right. So, you know, something I learned is like, you know, every time I open something, I try to I try to please everybody by pricing it a little bit lower than what I think it is. But then you bring in all these people that still find it expensive. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so you're not pleasing anyone by trying to please everyone. So, Angus. Uh, anything in the in the future? Are you thinking that's uh, you're looking at with uh, new concept, new locations? Anything at all? I know you said you're kind of pulled back a little bit with what's going on in this pandemic, but looking out maybe a few more months, is there anything that you think uh, you're seeing? Well, right now, I think you know I'm on a holding pattern in terms of our restaurants, but I think I I have been thinking of making some changes. Like at Maynard, we've been adding, we, we've been slowly adding um, during this pandemic a take-home section. So we actually partnered up with a uh, local grocery store that does online groceries and they do free deliveries and all that stuff. So, um, you know, we have sold quite a bit of curries, uh, packaged curries for them uh, through them. Okay. Um, so every week, you know, I'll have to drop off, you know, probably 100 to 200 curries uh, so that they could uh, sell it for us. And so that's been going pretty good. And I do think when things were locked down, I actually resorted to, because I do buy groceries from them and I do see that some of my other friends are making a sauce here and there. And, uh, you know, so I do think that it's a very good uh, avenue to go down. So right now, because Freebird moved back, I'm actually, I just made some alterations to, because of the physical distancing that we have to do, the dining room isn't as full as before. So we added a nice display fridge. We're going to be able to sell. So they also changed the liquor law here so that you can actually buy wines to go home with at a restaurant, which you weren't allowed to do before. So, you know, you you come into the restaurant, you see a nice little display fridge. It's almost like a little grocery store corner for us. So we're going to be doing some sauces. We're going to be doing some packaged um, herbs and packaged spices to go with the cookbook. So if you buy the cookbook, mm. you buy a little, you get a discount to buy like something like a, a hot and sour kit that you can make. So also, you know, a little bit of our prepackaged curries that we sell to our partner, Legend Hall, we're going to have some uh, for sale as well. So I do think... Uh, even when things return to normal, people will be used to eating at home more. And I think that will be a good avenue to visit. I think one of the things that I've been interested in exploring uh, is the concept maybe where is a commissary kitchen built for chefs to be able to, because a lot of chefs that want to do these type of sauces, they don't have the space or the ability or the equipment to be able to manufacture sauces at a very, as we know, like when you get into these volumes, if you're doing it out of a small pot, you're not really maximizing your efficiency so you know to be able to maybe build something out like that for everybody to to say hey uh one of the concepts i have thought about um is uh, maybe to open a um a chef collective grocery store for example like you could come in here there will be a few ready to eat items that you can order uh there will be a commissary kitchen where the you know let's say there's five or six top chefs that signed on um they they get to sell their curries and instead of paying rent uh, you pay the you pay a percentage of whatever items you sell to to me who organized the whole thing and built the whole thing. I, I don't know yet. Like right now, that's one concept that I kind of tweaked about uh, in terms of uh, what's going to happen coming out uh, of COVID. But I do think, though, you know, that aside, I do think people will be very um, travel crazy. So the tourism industry will be a boom, booming, providing that they survive this. <laughs> So, you yeah. know, I think there, there will be some interesting partnerships with, with airlines and, and, and hotels and different things like that, that I think is worth looking at as well. 
But I do think no matter what happens, when this is all said and done, people will think harder about going out than before. So mm. I think they're also used to cooking. I, I am like I used to eat out all the time, and I cook once once a week at home. But now I'm I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, cooking at home. I I, re- I re-renovated the kitchen at home just because I was spending so much time at it, you know. So <laughs> I I've just uh, just enjoy doing that. I think even sometimes when I uh, am out of time, it's sometimes nice. Oh, you know, my my friend's uh, pasta sauce that he packaged. So sometimes I can just heat that up and add a few more uh, vegetables and proteins and cook it for my son. And that's just easier than having to go out. So I think those prepackaged meals could help a lot or not even complete meals like sauces, like I said, uh, could help a lot of people. And I think uh, it'll still give you an experience like you're supporting local restaurants, you're supporting local chefs and, and, and makers and different things like that. So I think that'll that's something I thought about exploring. It's interesting. You know, you, you're you're a very creative guy and you, we you know, all the things you do, uh, where do you, sometimes you think, oh, this would be a great idea. And you start going and going and going. When do you know, or how do you know when to start pulling that back and saying, wait a minute, let's, let's stop and, and put some parameters on this as far as where I want to go. Like if it starts rolling too far, cause you know, you could sit and dream about all these great things you want to do. Is there ever a, a way or how, how do you look at that sometimes and say, ah, uh, I got to pull this back. Well, I think lately I've been pulling it back a little bit more just because, you know, I'm not someone that I think when I was younger, obviously, I didn't listen to my gut instincts as much because, you know, you're in it. You just keep going. Right. So but now now if something doesn't feel right uh, or if I'm if I if I'm doing it and uh, even if there's potential to make good money, but then uh, if the potential to lose bigger money and for me to right now, I always look at this. Uh, investment of effort as well as money it's not just right. money uh you know if i'm going to invest two years of my time doing this i could be doing other things uh is it is it really something i want to do and if it's not then i'll probably won't do it um it's it's i think i have enough businesses to 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 say that but i think it's difficult for people that are just coming out or they're this is going to be their first restaurant and i feel bad for a lot of them that are doing that during covid they're like they've been planning this opening for mm-hmm. two years and and then you know what like time to open, but there's no customers. And, and um, I feel really bad about that. And a lot of people yeah. have to re uh, they have to tweak their concept as they're opening. And that, that that's something I feel bad about. Like I, I feel, uh, you know, for us is we're lucky that we all, all of most of our restaurants, most of them have been open for some time and there's a, there's a routine, there's a system. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these people that are just opening now, they, they're still developing a system. So that's definitely, that's definitely a struggle. Mm-hmm. But I think I think for me, you know, I just I try to listen to my gut instincts and 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 see if it's something I really want to do. And if it's not worth my time, I, I just don't want to do it. Uh, no matter, like you could you could hand me a free restaurant right now and just just the keys and say you can go in there tomorrow. I might say you know what, it's not worth my effort because right. it's not the money all the time. It's sometimes it's my time, right? Like I, I you know, my son's turning thirteen next next month, and you know he's going to be a teenager. I, I've been really proud to spend more time, you know. Um, been able to spend more time with them and, and all that. So uh, I think there's a lot of things you have to weigh. It's not always just work and it's not always just uh, financial investments and, and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I have to look at it just, just to see, you know, is it, is it really worth the effort? Um, do I really want to do something? Do I want to spend my time on doing this? Or because I think, I think a lot of people, when they plan businesses, they see the glory, but they don't necessarily see the hard work uh right the, the, the stress and do i want to have another stress when when the next recession comes you know because that's one thing i realized is that yeah when it's all fine when they're running but having to restart six businesses isn't isn't easy um so that was something that um uh, uh you know i put it all in consideration and then in, in before the pand- pandemic happened we had a couple of discussions about like a uh, some concepts that we tossed around one was canned before the pandemic hit one was kind of still waiting for the landlord to respond. You know, we had, you know, there was two concepts that we were looking at and I was trying to make it both work before, but now I'm, I'm really glad I didn't, they didn't work. And I'm, uh, I'm going to just wait it out a bit and see when I get the motivation back. Cause right now I don't feel like I want to do another place. Right. But that, that may change. Yeah. So yeah, nobody opening a restaurant now has an appendix in their business plan that accounts for pandemic opening you know so you've been able to to see what what other people are doing and and learn from your own reopenings and stuff like that 
moving forward, do you see a trend with with restaurants opening leaner and smaller and more uh, kind of like what you're what you're doing with some of your operations? Well, I think I think that model has been happening for some time now in Vancouver, just because real estate is so expensive here. Hmm. Uh, rent here is some of the most in the world, uh, commercial rent and, and, and residential rent. So uh, it's already happening. But I think uh, I think the market is adjusting itself a little bit. I think the rental market last time I checked for a lot of apartment rentals are MTL because people don't have jobs as much as before and people are moving out of here. So I think I think it is going to go through a bit of a correction. But I, I, I do think that model has been happening for a while just because bigger spaces are so expensive to build. And not only rent is expensive, you know, construction and, 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 and the, you know, the labor and all that stuff. It's very expensive here in Canada. Uh, I was comparing notes to some of my friends in the States and, and, you know, I have a really good friend. He has, you know, six or seven restaurants as well in Portland. And he was telling me how, how much he spends to build the restaurant. And, and I tell him how much I spend and we look at our restaurants and it's not comparable. Like he gets so much more because, you know, there's just a lot more workers, a lot more, you know, and then rent there is so much cheaper and, and whatnot. So it, it, it's, there is a difference. Uh, but so that's why I think there's, there are a lot more smaller individual, individually run restaurants here. And I think it's, it's uh, the city's better for it. You know, I think, um, for the longest time it's been dominated by cookie cutter chains right so it's good uh, when we first opened up you know we were one of the few kind of independent restaurant operators uh and now there's getting a lot more and i think that's uh you know it's a lot more choice to go out and support you know uh individually family run restaurants or, or chef run restaurants and stuff I know my dad always would say, too, that uh, keep a small place full was a better feeling than having a big place that wasn't full all the time, right? A small place that's constantly full, you can control it a little easier. He he really felt that was um, uh, a better model, and he did that. He started with his restaurant at one size, and then he doubled it. And he would always say, you know, when I doubled, I didn't really just double my restaurant. I, I, I went beyond that because the amount of help he needed and the, all the other things mm-hmm. that came with it really multiplied he felt more than doubled so small place full is good good feeling well as you know like um you know main is 50 seats and it's we're in the middle of a hard hard spot so what i realized is i think either your restaurant should be 75 seats or 35 seats and under because a there's the amount of bathrooms you need so type of size of restaurants you need there so there's a building cold issue and second is uh the with the amount of staff we have to work here we cannot, we exceed the capacity of the seating. So, you know, we have, because the food here, everything's made from scratch. So, um, but, you know, we're, we're capped out at the amount of seats that we have because people aren't going to do four turns in Vancouver. So, you know, but we can easily do another 25 covers on every day. We, we can just because, you know, the staff is very capable. But if they're not doing that, then we're not maximizing the, the staff. But however, if you mm-hmm. go down to 35 people or 25 people, I can cut the staff by half. So that's already half the overhead. And, you know, we're, we might not be uh, doing the same amount of people, but by reducing your staff by half, you're saving a lot of money and you can still you can still get people in the seat. So that's that's the way I see it, too. And it's obviously there's there's benefits to to one or the other. right? Like if, if I have unlimited money tomorrow and opening a 75 C restaurant isn't isn't a problem. Yeah. You know, having a big restaurant, the ceiling is much higher. Right. But again, like you said, like I said, you know, it's uh, it's about the investment up front. You know, usually a 75 uh, seat restaurant will mean about 3000 square feet. And to 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 renovate that from scratch, it's 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 you're probably looking at one point five million Canadian dollars. Right. Uh, pretty easily. Um, so that's like how long do you need to make that money back if you're making five hundred thousand profit a, a year? That's three years and no one makes that kind of profit. You know, so. <laughs> no. Not at all. If you were speaking to someone that came to you and said, you've done all these restaurants, you're you're successful, and you, you certainly know the business very, very well, uh, what would be some advice? I know you said earlier you had some good advice for someone, um, but what would you tell someone that says, I think I want to get in, and, and what are some good things you, you would give me as advice to get into the to the business? And, and thinking maybe a little bit more in the future, not just today, but... Well, I think I think I think I I learned through my own mistakes, and a lot of times people do come and ask me these questions. You know, I do give them my honest advice. Uh, I I I would say, you know, some sometimes people will be like, oh, you know, I have my my family has some money to invest. I have partners. You know, we we want to open a restaurant. We have five hundred thousand dollars to renovate. I'm like, well, first of all, my suggestion is 
don't put all that down renovations because it's, it's, it's depreciated the minute you put it down. So it was worth nothing by the second year. So I, I would always, and that's what my biggest regret is not being able to buy the building we're currently in uh, when we first started out. And the amount of money we put in renovations, we put a, we could have bought it. Right. So my, my initial suggestion is always, you know what, buy the, buy the property that you're, buy a property, a smaller restaurant. It might not be a 60 seater. It might be, a, you know, take that money, buy a property, buy something that's like 25 seats and you're not paying mortgage. Or you're not paying rent, you're paying mortgage. And then take, take out a smaller loan and build a restaurant on it. If your restaurant doesn't work out, you can, you can still sell your building, you can still lease it out to someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not as risky but yeah, people always never listen because they think, oh, we, I need to build the nicest restaurant and I need to build a bigger restaurant. You know, everybody have that money. They, they, I think you need to put it down. And I didn't listen to that because my family had uh, given that suggestion. I'm like, no, it's my first restaurant. It's my name. I got to I gotta come out with a bang. You know, like it's got to be that. And it's not. Uh, so my, my suggestion is like, you know, don't don't put it all on, the, you know, on, on, uh, on, on, on the rentals right away, you know, and I think look around to see uh, what you can get and, you know, try to see if you can buy a property that your restaurant's in, you know, at least you'll feel secure. Uh, so that's my, that's always my uh, immediate kind of suggestion. Well, that's solid. I mean, own, owning a piece of land is going to retain some value to it, right? A renovation, the next person doesn't want it. It's, it might be, have no value, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's that's um, yeah. solid. How do you how do you think someone knows? I mean, what are the things that people should feel good about before they make that leap? Is it is it that they understand the business? Is it that they understand the business from a effect on you know the hours they're going to work and all that? Is it that um, you know how does someone know when they're ready? In your opinion, to to make the leap into owning a restaurant, I, I never question people's will to work. As chefs are always hard workers, or they 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 work long hours. I never question the hours if you if they ever spend time in the kitchen they want to open a restaurant they know they know they're willing to do the, the hard work but i think it's more the fact that um a lot of times uh young chefs come to me about these type of things and uh and i ask them do you have a business plan uh, mm-hmm. no I, I don't know how to do a business plan well i'm like well even if you already have partners and you already have money you need to do a business plan to see for yourself if your idea works right i mean do you have a projection sheet do you have a do you have a way of calculating and projecting sales that you're going to do do you have a way to break down your cost um so often people don't realize how much cost involves in running a restaurant like just just how much cost like the, the list goes on endlessly right so i i try to tell people and if i really like them i'll give them my sheet to use but um <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's uh you know through experience i sort of know how much money we have to spend a month to keep the doors open right people don't know like you have to pay for cable alarm like it's, 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 it's endless, you know, like how much paper costs, how much, how much napkins cost, how much all this shit costs. So people don't understand. They, they think, oh yeah, I, I know how to do food costs. I'm like, that's great. But you're going to be an owner. You have to do more than just food cost. So, you know, I often, that's the first thing I say is like, you know, do you have a business plan? Do you know how to project sales? Do you know how to project your bottom line? You know, do you know what, you know, I often, I often tell people and they, or sometimes they gave me these numbers like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm projected to do $2 million a year. I'm like, okay, well, what's your break even? Like, what is the lowest sales that you're going to do to not lose money? And they, they can't give me that. Like, you have to know, you have to figure out, like, it's great that you know what the ceiling is. Uh, and most people can't hit the ceiling anyways. And some people right. hit the ceiling and still make money because they don't know how to calculate the cost. Right. Some people are like, well, oh, I don't know why we lost money. We made $4 million last year. I'm like, well, because you spend five million, yeah. right. <laughs> so yeah. um, so those are the things that you know when people come and I'll I'll, I'll try to break that down and stuff like that. But um, that's that's usually the, I sometimes depress myself when I look at how much things cost too, right? But <laughs> you have to do it, you know. But the business plan is important. Like first of all, you might think your food is special, but why is it special? Like you know, sometimes putting it down on paper separates it too. Like and also. You know, I think chefs too, not only their heart, and you know, a lot of, most of them are kind of artistically driven. They're creative and they want to serve their food. Well, yeah, you know, I want to change the world. I, wanna, I was like that. I, I want to do this. And I think Gastropod was our restaurant. I was a bit very creatively driven. Like we, we don't follow any rules. Like oh, the food is a very modern, creative and all these things. But you know what? People didn't understand it. So uh, as you get older, like Maynon's food initially was kind of geared towards the majority, like people understand. As you get 
older and more experienced and uh, you know, people have to build that trust. So Frank Gehry, the famous architect said, you know, 15% is kind of the, the margin. 15% is what he has creativity in the project. And this is Frank Gehry. He's one of the most legendary architects out there. He has only 15% creativity. So he said between building codes, between what clients want, be between sites, between all these things, I only have 15% of true creativity. So who are you as a young chef to say, you know, I want a blank canvas. I'm going to put whatever thing on a dish and you're going to eat it. No. So I talked about it in my book too. Like that 15% does grow. If you build the trust with your clients, if you, if you start serving food that they want to eat and they come back more and more, and then let's say, you know, we have regulars come back. Oh, you know what? I had this all the time. Like, let me, let's try something new. And then, you know, that's when you start to kind of push their boundaries a little bit and your 15% will grow. But too many people, too many young chefs, they start off by just like, oh, they want to be super creative and they do all these things on a, on a blank canvas, but nobody understands it. Nobody wants to eat it. They want, people want food that's comforting, right? They, they, when you make food a little bit too unapproachable, it's not a very daily uh, meal. So then they can't do it. And, and, you know, you can't think, you have to get off your high horse. You, you know, you, yes, you are an artist that you can make great food, but you have to make food that people want to eat or else you can't survive. Uh, so when I heard uh, Frank Gehry said that, I've, I've always, I, I've drilled it into my head, you know, 15%, you know, a, a master architect, someone that's, in my opinion, one of the true artists in the world has only 15% of freedom for creativity. You know, people got to really take that into consideration, right? Like there's too many young chefs out there that they, they think they have 100% free reign on their food, which is great. And they're probably brilliant, but there's only a handful of chefs where people can go to and just say, you know what, just go free ring and, and, and eat whatever. I think most of the time restaurants survive because they have regular customers that, that want to be serving good food. You know, part of your, part of the business plan is, is all the things you talked about, all the costs, all the analysis, all the, the things that you, you bring up that people don't think of. What kind of time does it take to deal with all that, right? You as a chef, if you were just focused in the kitchen, you on 100% of your day, you could work a very long day just doing that. But now when you're the owner, you've got to take some of your day and allocate it to figuring out all those other things and taking the time to think through and to, to understand your costs and to, to do all those things to run the business. I mean, that's a huge shift for people, I think, when they come out of the kitchen and run their own restaurants, right? That that kind of time. I mean, how much time do you put in a week on all that stuff versus really being in the kitchen as much? Uh, you've got a lot of operations you're running, but even just thinking about one restaurant, what would you say time-wise that takes? I mean, I don't know. It, it depends on the time, right? Like, I think when you're opening a new restaurant, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the projection changes so often just because I'm trying to figure out what the right, you know, you're, you're doing a projection. So you're, you are guessing, right? Uh, versus now, like, you know, when the restaurant's running, I, I, I more wait until the, the, the bookkeeper gives me the P&L and I sort of break it down. And then if I see... If I see like an error or if I see an area that needs to be flagged, I'll talk to to, to my cooks, I'll talk to my chefs and, and just say, hey, and, and lately I understand, you know, lately during COVID, like the food cost has gone up like 5% and not really because a lot of our stuff is coming from overseas and there's not, not as much flights. So I understand all of that. And, uh, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm very understanding and I, I, I still think of myself as a chef first, businessman second even though I think most people think of me as a businessman first, uh, chef second, which is, I think it's fine. Um, so I, you know, I think I'm always okay with a little higher food costs as long as the food is, is, is of quality, right? So, I, you know, it depends on the, the time, time-wise, I don't know. Like, it, it really depends. Uh, it's not a good sign if I have to spend all my time looking at that stuff just because that means something is wrong. Uh, you know, usually, usually if, if, uh, once a month I'll, I'll get the breakdown. And if I see the staff, uh, the, my quickest, my quickest kind of finger on the pulse, uh, is like, you know, I'll get every time we do payroll, I get the accountant to send me, uh, gross payroll versus sales. And usually I try to keep that at 30%. If, if it goes over by a lot, I know we're not making money. So that's, that's my quickest finger on the pulse. So I have my tricks of like, uh, not having to do a deep dive. And at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not just a business. It's kind of my life too. Right. So I, I kind of, everybody, you know, if, if we're, if we're a bit over, I'm not going to start cutting people and sending people home because they, they have a job too. Right. So, so Angus, as we, as we look at COVID is, do you see anything 
that's going to come out of this that that um, we could look at as maybe a positive thing. I know right now we're we're being told to do certain things and we're forced to operate in certain ways. But do you see anything from COVID that will remain that is that is a positive thing? Well, I think from just from the operational point of view, I think it's uh, first thing is is obviously staff safety and, and customer safety. You know, I think we we always sanitize mm-hmm. for 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 sanitation and food purposes. Uh, right. But we never we never are protected to this extent. So, you know, I myself, when we reopened the restaurants, I bought uh, I bought a pretty heavy duty uh, HEPA filter for every restaurant to recirculate the air. I bought fogging systems for every restaurant. And I think I'm probably one of the few restaurant owners that actually did that. And I, I did that not just for the, for the customers, for the staff. I want the staff to feel uh, comfortable in coming to work. Uh, I, I, so I think back to, I think, yes, you know, this COVID, you know, it is a huge issue, but I think, you know, who's not to say that this is going to be a normal going forward because there's flu seasons every year and we lose staff all right. the time. And I think staff will think twice about coming to work, you know, when they're, when they're slightly under the weather, because you can easily pass that around. And I do think industry norm, as you know, Rich, is the industry norm used to be like, oh no, you, you don't miss work. You just tough it out because, right. you know, everybody... But I think going forward, that's going to probably change. Like I think if you're under the weather, you probably have to think on behalf of your teammates uh, and, and, and work pals and all of that to to really analyze whether or not it's worth it going to work. Because service industry, you are serving people food that they put in their mouth. And if you're not 100%, uh, the standard rule for hospitality, restaurant industry, because we work hard. I mean, we don't miss days. Like, you know, I, I throughout my life, I've never missed a day because I was sick, not because I never get sick. Right. Like that's it's just right. like I, I just I, I thought I was being tough by by toughing it out. Yeah. But that's probably not a good move looking back. But so that's one thing that I thought about. It's like, you know, I think restaurants will come. Well, I certainly will continue to disinfect and, and sanitize beyond what used to be the norm beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part, I think people are are also realizing um, uh, it is it is nicer to spend more time at home and eating all that. So I think restaurants will adjust to to doing a little bit more takeout and doing a little bit more accessible food online or different things like that. So I think that I'm excited personally about that because I think that's one, one area I think we can grow our business. So that's something that uh, I think is a positive coming out of this. All right. No, you're so, so right on that. Uh, it was, you never called in sick. You, no. you drug yourself into work. And if you were that sick, your coworkers would tell you to go home and then it was okay. But you didn't want to ever let your coworkers down. You yeah. were going to be there. And that you're right. In hindsight, we weren't very smart in doing that. And as a result of what's going on, we probably will be better. And you're a hundred percent right on all the extra sanitation because kitchens were always very good with food safety, but we didn't think about the handrail coming into the restaurant or the doors or all those things on a on a regular basis. So you're mm-hmm. right. Those are actually some things that will come out of this as a, as a real positive. So, yeah, very good. All right, Angus. Well, again, thank you. This has been another really great show. And I thank you so much for your insight, uh, sharing information and, and helping people who, you know, maybe don't have all the experiences that you've got in this industry to, to take a look at what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, really opening their eyes to um, all that it takes. So thank you for for taking the time with them again today. I really appreciate it. And uh, before we let you go, as you know, we've always asked for a quote. Do you have another quote that you could give our listeners something that um, we've asked you for one already? You gave us a great quote, but do you have anything else that you could give our listeners as another quote? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that and I definitely do. Yeah. So my quote today is from one of my favorite authors, Scott Fitzgerald, and uh, he had, he, he loves champagne like I do as well. So he has a quote that says, uh, too much of anything is bad, but too much champagne is just right. And I think that's very <laughs> fitting. Um, I've always, I've always, uh, I've always liked that quote. Uh, in fact, I always try to make sure I have champagne in the fridge, uh, not for celebratory reasons, just because I, I, I really do enjoy champagne. Uh, and I am picky, so it can be, it can be anything, but, uh, but, but from champagne. Uh, but it doesn't have champagne doesn't have to be pricey. That's what most people kind of misunderstand, but. Uh, so yeah, that that's definitely the quote I would end on, uh, and I think I want to at least wish everybody, uh, you know, going into holiday season soon, a, a very safe uh, holidays. And I think this year, in particular, uh, wish people to stay safe and 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 be considerate of uh, how we can, you know, do our part to 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 get back to normal sooner. Oh, super! And, and excellent. Yeah, that's great advice, sir. Thank you for that. And and Angus, um, thanks again for being on the show today. And 
Is there anything you want to give our listeners a heads up on how to get in contact with you or anything about the book that you uh, recently released your cookbook? Yeah, so obviously we released the cookbook a couple months ago. It's been going really well. Uh, I've been talking to the publisher. They're about to do a reprint already, so that's that's really going good. Hey. So people can uh, – uh, it's called Main On, A Fresh Approach to Thai Cooking. You can access that on Amazon, uh, on both Amazon.com and .ca. And uh, you can find out more information uh, throughout my handles uh, at Chef Angus Ann on Instagram or ChefAngusAnn.com. Angus, thanks again. No problem. My pleasure. Always a pleasure. Well – Justin, that uh, I told you we were uh, we were in for a good show today, and we <laughs> yeah. we got a great show today. That just uh, he's got it; he knows what he's doing, yeah. and it shows. I mean, just the things that he brought up and and talked about. He knows what he's what he wants to do. He he understands how he's going to do it. Uh, a lot of his tips, I think, were super valuable for anybody looking to get into this business. And yeah, he has an excellent balance between calculated and creativity. Knowing mm-hmm. when to strike, when to open up a new restaurant, and how to go about it. Like when he said in 2010, it just didn't feel right, you know, and that was based upon, you know, his feeling, but also a lot of uh, anecdotal evidence that he saw too. Like, you know, there's a lot of construction uh, that's going up. It'll be ready soon, but not mm-hmm. yet. And then getting in before everyone else so that you can build uh, that relationship with your clientele. So it's, there's just so much to unpack there with mm-hmm. him. He's just uh, a wealth of knowledge. And for anybody um, looking to open an, as an operator or, or to expand or just to, to refresh now during COVID, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's just so much there that he's provided us with that we can pick apart and, and look at things and reevaluate how we're operating and what we can do to improve and, and what we can do to embrace changes. Right. I think, you know, his advice to someone is in the first thing, do you have a business plan? That's, right. you know, thinking it through. And I think he's, he's, op, he's opportunistic in what he does, mm-hmm. but to, to use a term of uh, uh, one of our boss, uh, Christina, planful about it, right? He right. understands it and he's going to work it through. And I thought another thing, it's not about working hard because if you're going to go into this business, I think you're just yeah, understanding it's going to be hard. Everybody's ready to work hard. You're right. ready to work hard, but it isn't all about how hard you can work. It's about a lot of the other stuff. And another real interesting point I thought that he had was uh, with staying small. Mm, you know, yeah. smaller restaurants, keeping them uh, keeping everything down because he the the comment that he made about it's not about the ceiling, it's about the basement. And mm-hmm. can you weather that easier when your basement's not quite so so daunting, right? If, if mm-hmm. that goes, if things start going south, can you manage it? Can you still survive it? Or if you have such a high threshold that you you must meet every day because you've got such a big place and you don't get there a couple of days, what what does that mean to, yeah. to an operation? So a lot of that advice, just keeping it simple, uh, small. I, I really like the small advice. Um, and as you mentioned, get there early. You know, recognize where opportunities can be get there and being willing to to live with it for a while and understand you made the right decision and get your operation up and running and, and the, the growth will come. Mm-hmm. So yeah. a lot of well, good advice. Yeah. And just really the, the comment about the business plan, that needs to be asked to everybody right now. Do you have a COVID business plan? Because it's, it's different. Everything's different. And we could all benefit and, and gain value from, from reevaluating where the business plan's at. If you haven't done that already, it needs to be done. So yeah, it's he, he laid it out there, and yeah, you know, we we, I'm I'm definitely gonna go back and 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 listen to this one again just because there's so much that he yeah. he gave us that you know, I need to go back and listen again. Maybe just even a, as we get out of COVID and let's say a couple of years down the road, but just having a a plan of what if, what if mm-hmm. something like this happens again? Are are we as a society going to be more likely to shut things down again and, and react very quickly to health issues and what if this happens again i don't know is there is does it make sense to have to to, to have some things kind of thought through mm-hmm. rather than just wow. having no business plan no plans at all so yeah, yeah every really, everything yeah everything should be written down archived and and saved because it really isn't what is it's, it's like when you know when, when's it going to happen yeah. again and we we all need to be to be ready for it and learn from the mistakes and experience gained through this one right 
All right, well, Justin, I think it's time to wrap this one up. So um, if there's anything else from you, any last thoughts of any kind? Yeah. Like always, I would like to remind everyone to hit that subscribe button and never miss another moment with a chef or industry professional again. And we would also greatly appreciate if you would leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Maybe give us a topic that we could talk about in the future. Whatever. Drop us a line. All right. appreciate that. And we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at valrathfoodservice.com, the feed. And anybody who signs in to valrathfoodservice.com, the feed, and leaves us a note that you heard this, will put you in a drawing for a free 8-inch tribute fry pan. All right, everybody. So I'll leave you with my thought. It's always don't worry about anybody else and what they're doing. Just focus on what you do best and no one's going to beat you. Thanks again, everybody, for listening today. Really hope you you enjoyed the show and we appreciate you being with us. Hope you have a great week ahead. Till next time, take care.